stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Baku welcomed us back. And it was actually good. Well done, Baku. We actually mean it this time. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 136 of the Motorsport 101 podcast. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison, and I hope you're enjoying the new clarity of my dulcet, weird accent-related tones. Um, As promised, this is the audio upgrades that came into play. Um, Thanks to you guys. You're back to Sword on Patreon, so thank you all so much for everyone that's... uh, that's allowed me to save up the pennies so I can actually get an actually quite nice looking microphone and I actually look like a podcaster now as opposed to some guy staring out of his window for three hours at a time. My old microphone used to be one of those on a tripod. I'd just stick it on my windowsill. Um, <laughs> and now I've actually got a stand and, and, an, and an audio interface and I sound like an actual podcaster that almost knows what he's talking about. It's great. <laughs> but seriously, thank you all so much for that. That's... Um, it's been really, really helpful. It's been great. Uh, the reviews have been very positive so far. So thanks for that. Hopefully, it makes a difference in the long run. In the meantime, we have we have our usual uh, plethora of guests. We have Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. <sighs> what a weekend! What a what a weekend! A <laughs> L- little bit on the crazy side, huh? Yeah, yeah. I- I'm man. I know. I, I have a feeling. I know how Total Wolf feels now. Right now, <laughs> we got. We got. Let's, let's just say we got another table smash. <laughs> this one. This one again. Equally as understandable as the last one. More on that in a bit. Also, we have Tennessee's finest, Mr. R.J. O'Connell. Hello, sir. Good afternoon. The sun is shining. Uh, my local baseball team is not trash. My local hockey team is in the playoffs. Um, I've just been shown a, um, a video of the silliest uh, UEFA Champions League goal that looks like a glitch in a video <laughs> game, but is actually real. No, we call that FIFA 18's goalkeeper AI. That, that's oh. what that is. Oh, God, mm. now nah, they're going to fix it for the World Cup update, fam. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> I don't know if we'd get that World Cup update in the States. <laughs> apparently, but apparently, uh, Fox really wants me to invest in Twenty Three and Me kits to find my real home team, you know, in place of uh, you know rooting for my actual home country. Hey, <laughs> every little helps. Shout out to Sven Ulrich, who will never play for Bayern Munich ever again. We're recording this on May the first. There's literally about oh two or three minutes left. Um, of the UEFA Champions League semi-final second leg between Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. It's 2-2 as we speak. Um, <laughs> um, it looks like Bayern's about to get knocked out again. Um, fun times indeed. But um, gosh, we have an absolutely stacked show to get through this weekend. We're actually doing two of these in the same hitting again. We're splitting shows. So we're doing 136 and 137 together. Um, in 136, we'll be talking about all the F1-related stuff and news. Um, as you may have probably noticed by now, quite an eventful race in Azerbaijan this weekend. 
to say the least. Um, and some of the news as well regarding that, including the F1 Commission doing the damn thing. You'll hear more about that in a bit. Um, and in the second half later on in episode 137, we'll be talking all about Formula 2, which was equally as chaotic in both the feature and the sprint race. The Paris E-Prix as well, as John Eric Verne became a hometown hero. And a lot of the other miscellaneous news, including hashtag Danica back. Oh, yes. Retaining the Danica wagon one more time. And Super GT's back as well this weekend, which is always a and fun And they brought time. a motherfucking chainsaw to Talladega. <laughs> Yay. It's like, this is how you know this needs more context. Hooray! But, um... <laughs> basically, you can find us real quick, if you haven't got this out already. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Which a brand new video went up today! Uh, the Dre Brief is back! Yay! Me doing a video about Red Bull and a certain incident which we'll get to later on in this podcast. You can probably guess what it is. More on that in a bit. Um, we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at at uh, Twitter.com forward slash Motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to follow our personal handles, you can do that at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. That's with two Ks. Um, and if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and Bike Live. And two Bike Live episodes have gone up since our last recording. Um, so we, again, for the first time ever, there was so much content on Bike Live. Almost three hours worth. We thought, probably for the best, we split Bike Live too. So we did. Um... All of the MotoGP talk from the Circuit of the Americas this past weekend um, in episode 56, Dabbing in America, with special guest Patrick Hofstetter as well from the Universe and the DFS show as well, making his Mike Live debut. And in the second half, we have, well, we named it after arguably the ride of the year so far from Randy Krimenacker in the World Supersport Racer Assen. Um, for those guys that don't know, um, the, the full context, I'll, I'll briefly fill you in right now because Krimenak had went live literally about three hours ago. But um, Randy Krimenak starts the World Super Sport race. He's meant to be starting from fifth on the grid. Turns out his team makes an enormous error and forgets to, f to fuel his fuel tank all the way up on the grid. I'm, I'm being serious. That actually happened. His team forgot to fuel his bike properly. Um, having discovered this, he has to go into the pit lane and start from the back of the grid. They're to wheel him off on the formation that so he can properly fuel the bike up. He starts from the back of the grid instead of his usual grid slot. He comes from the back of the field and finishes in second. Randy Krimanaker is a mad, mad man. All of that, including Kawasaki splitting wins with uh, Jonathan Ray and Tom Sykes, and the most ridiculous World Supersport finish you'll ever see in the 300 class. It has to be seen to be believed, trust me. All of that on Bike Live. That will also be back later this week. I'm not quite sure what we're doing for that yet, because none of the big three actually raced. We'll figure it out. We always do. <laughs> so all of that. And don't forget, 10 bucks also gets you access to our Discord server, where you can listen to these shows as they go out. Um, fun times indeed. You, know, you get, like, microphone selfies and everything. <laughs> it's great. Oh, God. <laughs> The shit ones, by the way. But if again, you'd have to be in our Discord server to get the joke. Hooray. But um, shall we get into the, the Grand Prix of Azerbaijan, fellas? Yeah, let's do it. Yep, after this brief musical interlude, we'll be talking about Well Done Baku 2. 
Baku welcomed us back. folks the totally unproblematic Grand Prix that's kind of in Europe but not really it's Baku everybody yay the, as the Baku European Azerbaijan Azeri Grand Prix that's somehow in Europe but is also part of the Middle East but is generally in the Caucasus region um, we have a lot of oil money don't don't worry about the uh, the political suppression of opposition parties it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine it's not fine don't 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 talk it's about so that. It's so not fine. It's so not fine. But you know, uh, stick to sports, RJ. Stick to sports. <sighs> we've got we can't talk. Yes. We've got to talk about that here. Yes. <sighs> yes. Why why wait until uh, why wait until October till you can uh, go watch a Formula One race in a uh, in a fake democracy when you can wait until when you could just have it right now. <laughs> you don't even need to buy plane tickets to Austin. <laughs> of course. <sighs> You can take a shortcut through through uh, the bottom part of Europe. Yay. Right, so, getting into the weekend, um, kind of a quiet set of practice sessions. Qualifying was uh, interesting. Um, I, I figured we would we would see teams try to incorporate the toe. I teased it on this score. The, like the, the toe down the back end of Sector 3 was worth four tenths of a second. Uh, well, um, worth about... 14 kilometers an hour apparently um big 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 time stuff um sebastian vettel um is takes his got his third pole position of the year already um guys who had seb for the pole trophy anyone anyone no one no, no one like you, you can't see if, if this was a video podcast there'd be a tumbleweed flying through the set as we speak like no nobody had this kimmy Raikkonen did have half a chance um, of beating. Yeah, he was he was purple in sector one. He was purple in second two, and then he would code brown on the final on the run up to sector <laughs> on the final stretch. Yeah, he, he, he code browned it and slid through turn sixteen, cost him a second and a half, and that put Sebastian on pole. Uh, it's like Riken, you've been really good this season. Just don't Riken in it. Oh, he Riken in it. Oh, god damn it! <laughs> he dropped not only from the front row, he dropped all the way down to sits. Yeah, his first flying lap was not very good at all, and uh, yeah, it opened the door for him to start on the back of row two. And because um, of this, the tire situation, he had to start the race on the ultra soft compound as well because he had to. They weren't sure about his Q two lap either, so he had to start on an alternate strategy compared to everybody else who was starting the race on the super soft tire. Don't worry, it becomes important later. Um, <laughs> but, um, oh, and we, we didn't mention one other major incident from qualifying. And uh, let's just say Pierre Gasly almost got catapulted into, like, southern Baku. Um, oh, God, I, I thought you were going to talk about Trump Tower catching fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just... That's just a metaphor for Red Bull's weekend. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, more or less, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Brendan Hartley picks up a puncture as he's winding through the uh, the very uh, fast section of blind corners in uh, at the end of sector two. 
Um, all of a sudden, Pierre Gasly is on a flyer. He does not see uh, Brendan Hartley in time. And by the time he reacts, uh, Hartley, just for a split second, moves into Gasly's way. And Gasly has to take evasive action at 300 miles an hour and overshoot the corner into the runoff area to avoid getting uh, launched into the air in 300 kilometers an hour. This was not a good situation. Pierre Gasly could have died. Yeah, I'm like... Uh, like RJ's not throwing those words around loosely. That could legitimately have been fatal. That that could have been a hellacious accident. Um, Pierre Gasly. Um, good reactions to say the least. Um, on on that one. Um, well done, Pierre, for uh, dodging what would have been a hellaciously terrible accident. And like, if you if you looked at Brendan Hartley after the qualifying session, he obviously like, firstly I'm glad he profusely apologised um, for being indecisive on the racing line despite having a puncture. Um, he, he looked like he'd seen a ghost. Um, he, like I think the bottom half of his overalls had turned brown by the time he got back to the to the to the pit box for his interview. Um, he, he, yeah, there, there's there's realizing you took out your team, like you almost took out your teammate, then there's realizing you almost killed your teammate. Yeah, like that was, I think he'd seen the replay since then, and I think he'd just realized just how close it was to an ultimate disaster. Um, yeah, to say the least. Um, thank goodness Pierre Gasly reacted in time on that one. Um, that could have been so, so much worse, and... Yeah, like Hartley, I think was on his knees begging for forgiveness by the end of that interview because he could he could see he was he felt terrible about it and and rightly so. It was such a it was such a a big near miss. Right, Sunday, like Sunday happens, Sebastian Vettel takes off, like puts three seconds on Hamilton off the opening lap. Well, you know there was much hype about Hamilton Vettel front row and it didn't really go anywhere until the second half of the race. I thought it was funny. Um, Esteban Ocon. Out in the on the opening lap, contact with Raikkonen. No, 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 no. First, first, before before that, we got to talk about the run out of turn two. Yeah, tell us more, King. Uh, the situation between uh, that involved oh god, uh, that involved Fernando Alonso, uh, who went to it was a Haas and another car. Oh my god, my yeah. mind's blanking right now. All, uh, all of a sudden, I just know that uh, Fernando. Al- it looked like Fernando Alonso had got shot blocked by Carlos Sainz, which caused Alonso's two tires to deflate for pretty much the rest of the lap. Come to find out that uh, Sergei Sorotkin had inadvertently tipped Carlos Sainz because he had nowhere to go, which ended Sorotkin's race on the spot and caused Alonso, as I mentioned, to have to limp around the rest of the six-kilometer Baku street circuit on two wheels. And he actually made it back to the pits in the end, which I thought was crazy. Um, he did make it back. And Sorokin was blamed for this and was given a free-place grid penalty for the next round in Spain, which I find amazing given that I think it was Hulkenberg on the outside that gave him quite the squeeze. Like, there, there, like, there, were, there really wasn't much Sorokin could have done in that situation differently. Um, it, it, it wasn't great, to say the least. Um, not, not, not an ideal scenario, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, carry on, King. About I mean, you mentioned, obviously, obviously, Ocon and the, <laughs> and then, and then turn three that almost saw Fernando Alonso, you know, not even begin to make his journey around the lap because it seemed like he almost, you know, ended up running into Esteban Ocon's, you know, destroyed car, 
Ocon ended up in that situation because oh dear, my mind is blanking on the opening lap. Yeah, um, I can. Uh, uh, from what I understand, Raikkonen tried to get around Esteban Ocon while contesting sits. Raikkonen had the inside line. Ocon says that Raikkonen just tried to use him as a break. Raikkonen contends that Ocon didn't give him any room. Did you know that Esteban Ocon has only retired from two Formula One races that they've all been first lap accidents? It's always the way, isn't it? <laughs> in fact, in his last sit single-seater race, and he's dating back to his Formula Three days, he's had sits retirements only. They've all been on the first lap. Wow. That includes getting caught up in a pileup at Macau. Yeah. <sighs> Things were not looking good for Force India at this point in time. Again, remember that it becomes important later. Um, <laughs> like, like the early stage of the race was definitely fun as well because we actually got like a civil war between the Renaults of the factory team and the <clears throat> Tag Heuers <clears throat> of the Red Bull Racing team as a. Uh, like, Carlos Sainz taking some revenge on his old boy Max Verstappen by going around the outside of him. We had Hulkenberg fighting Daniel Ricciardo. He wanted a bit of revenge after Australia. Um, that was fun until Hulkenberg puts it in the wall. <laughs> yeah, and he, he didn't need to because the reason why it ended up being so close between the Red Bulls and the Renaults is because the Red Bulls were having issues with their ERS. Yep, they were having problems with the, with the power unit. And yeah, it opened the door for Renault to take advantage of it. And then Hulk puts it in the wall from what was, I think, fourth place on the road at the time. Um, yeah, this could have legitimately been the long-awaited golden unicorn that was Nico Hulkenberg's first Formula it's, One it's, podium. Uh, Just remember, in the words of BBC Five Live Radio commentator Jolien Palmer, you have to be alert on a street circuit. <laughs> Listen to your former teammate. Like, that's the second time Hulkenberg has binned it in Baku from fourth place. Like, I just, ugh, I despair for Hulkenberg. It's like, come on, man. I defended you on Twitter after the after what happened in China because you were doing the number on Carlos, and this is how you repay me. God damn you, Hulkenberg. Ugh. God, I've got my head in my hands. Um, it's 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 not pretty. Like Hulkamania goes from wild to mild, as RJ puts in our set notes. That would have been a dead certain top five for Hulkenberg, I reckon. Um, damn it! Um, it's it it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Um, after the after the opening proceedings calms down, outside of a Red Bull civil war between their two teammates fighting each other, mostly for Stappen jumping on the back of Ricardo like a bad rash in the early in the early period. A lot of hard racing going into turn one and turn three between them. Um, a lot of argy bargy, a lot of block passing attempts, a lot of I'm going to park my car right here and make this really awkward for you. Um, <laughs> again, more on that later. Um, at the front, Sebastian Vettel was leading pretty comfortably. He had about a three-second lead. He was slowly inching out a gap on Lewis Hamilton. And then what we had, another ridiculously elite driver time trial period between uh, Seb and, and Hamilton. Until Hamilton has a lock-up into turn one. Um, uh, you, know what, you know what I find hilarious about that, King? And you can have a humble brag on this one. Blame the gust of wind. How about that? <laughs> so, 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 so King who was your favourite driver until the end of the 2016 season or 17 season I should say 16 season yeah Nico, Nico Rosberg and remember that time he, he bottled the potential win at Cota to, you know, to potentially prolong the title fight but uh, you know he made a mistake of about five laps ago and what, what, what did they blame it on Gust of Wind 
Nico Rosberg being terrible, mm-hmm. obviously. Obvs. So, go, go on, King. This is your moment. You can have a humble brag here. Like, Lewis, looks like gust of winds do exist, huh? Yeah. This was a storyline going into the race. Like, <laughs> it was very windy. Yes. I, I think uh, during the Formula 2 broadcast, Johnny Herbert says that he's, like, in his whole entire racing career and broadcasting career, he's only seen conditions this windy once one time he was racing in japan oh good well i'll i'll have some pointed uh commentary about uh how i felt about johnny herbert and formula two on our next episode of one motorsport 101 which you can listen to on soundcloud and apple Podcasts. see there's your tease to to come back for the next episode later this week (laughs) um oh dear so yes hamilton hamilton uh you know, locks up his tyres. Big lock-up going into turn one. Costs him about four seconds. He's now about eight behind Sebastian. Um, a few laps later, they decide to box him. Um, this was getting a little bit awkward because like, because of the pit stop it had brought, the very quiet Valtteri Bottas into play. Um, he was now leading the race by about, you know, 9, 10, 11 seconds. It was, they had Hamilton come in first to try and, you know, force a move out of Seb. They did. Problem was the soft tire seemed to take a long time to get going in those conditions, and like the used super soft was legitimately still faster for a good while. Um, I shake my fist angrily at Pirelli on this one. Um, what like what what are your tires made of, Pirelli? Um, like King, can we get dissect them with a knife and try and figure this out? Because <laughs> oh goodness, it seems like there are, there are infinity gauntlets all throughout mm. the inner tread. <laughs> they just refuse to die. Um, yeah. Just just look at Alonzo's car. Just like half the time mm-hmm. just disappear. As you do. As you do. So the Supersoft keeps going and going. At this point, like, it's becoming quite clear that Bottas is the only man in the field who have not stopped yet. And Mercs were going to drag this out as long as they possibly could to tr- just in case there was a safety car coming. But there's no way a safety car would... Oh my god, what are the Red Bulls <laughs> doing at the bottom of turn one? Oh my god! <sighs> right, so to set the scene for this, Daniel Ricciardo makes his first stop on lap 37. They get him off the Super Softs and onto the Ultra Soft tires. They bring in Matt's for stab in the following lap. Again, they're on the ultra soft tires. If there is a safety car that comes out, Red Bull Racing Tag Lawyer are in a very good position to try and take a podium, perhaps even a win, off of, let's say, a driver like Sebastian Vettel, who is running on the much harder and a little bit slower soft compound tires. Um, remember when we talked about the fact that Verstappen and Ricardo were racing very hard. hard, like really hard? Like, really, really hard. Um, Ricardo gets around Verstappen at some point before the, the pit he does. stops, doesn't he? And yes. then Verstappen passes him back. Yes. And under, the, they and, undercut yes. their own teammate. Yeah, undercut your own teammate. Uh, Verstappen comes out ahead, but he's clearly not as quick as Daniel Ricardo by the t- when Ricardo comes out. And the call to the radio for Ricardo was, let's just get him again, mate. Q lap number 39. Yeah. 
believe it was left. Indeed, it was. Uh, where you know, yeah, Daniel Ricciardo is attacking Verstappen, and to, to put it into context here, like there is big speed differences in these cars by the time you get to the end of that enormous Baku straight. Um, the car in front is doing about 190, 195, um, because you know you, you ease your foot off the pedal a little bit, acceleration wise, towards the end of that straight to save a bit of fuel. Um, you're not at full racing speed. Um, the guy behind you is is going to be at full racing speed. Plus, he's got his DRS wing open. He's probably doing about 210 to 215 miles an hour. Um, Verstappen moves once to the left-hand side of the track. Ricardo still following for a toe. The door is kind of open towards that left-hand side wall. Ricardo kind of half-heartedly goes for that gap. Verstappen turns towards it at the last minute and bang. <sighs> but, like, to add, a, you know, a bit of emphasis on, like, what had happened, Ricardo does his trademark move anytime he tries an overtake at the end of a straight. He he dummies to the right, then goes back he left. He does, yeah. Yeah, and Verstappen moves in response to the dummy, then cuts back across the track. Yeah, it's, it's Verstappen moves right on the brink of the braking zone. And next thing you know, Ricardo's driven into the back of him. Um, they go flying off past turn one. They're both out of the race. And a safety car is deployed. And oh dear, what an accident this was. And it, it's been coming. With, it, it had been coming with those two. They had raced each other very hard to that point. It, like, it, was, it was entertaining at first, but, it, but then at one point you sit down and realize and you go... These guys are going to destroy each other at this rate. Like, they're destroying their race metaphorically by their constant infighting. Ricardo was blatantly the faster man that weekend, and especially in the context of the race. And next thing you know, like, they're both out. They're both yeah, they're out. Both out. Um, and cue Adrian Newey rage quit. Oh, there's a beautiful gif of Adrian Newey just taking his notepad and fucking off. Um, he's like, yep, yeah, there we go. Uh, like, it's like, it's like Newey, like, almost knew it was coming. It was, it was got you. Oh, they, they they all knew it was coming. Apparently, according to Christian Horner, they were discussing the prospects of them uh, coming to blows all weekend. Even discussed it the morning of the race, saying, pretty much, watch out. Uh, you guys have been pretty much, you know, head-to-head all weekend. When race time comes, you need to leave each other room, and that didn't happen. Yeah, it certainly didn't, like... You, you watch the post race, and Horner is absolutely livid. Like he, he does not want to talk to Ted Kravitz. I personally thought Christian Horner was just going to chuck Ted Kravitz and uh, fold him up into a pretzel and power bomb him through the nearest hospitality table. Yeah, it's like he was going to beat him to death with one of his own sandals. I thought like it, it didn't look pretty. Um, <laughs> like. And like, he has a very awkward interview with David Coulthard on the Channel 4 broadcast as well. Again, like, like they try to talk to him and, and Horner just... Horner would rather be anywhere else in the world at that point in time. Um, I think he'd rather be, like, in solitary confinement at Alcatraz instead of being in that situation talking to the media after his two teammates have taken each other out for the second time in seven years. Um, it's not good. It's... At least Mark Webber made it on the podium. True. After Turkey 2010. <laughs> True. After Turkey 2011. True. It was yeah. salvageable. Yeah. Sebastian thought it was crazy, but still. Um, it wasn't pretty, to say the least. Um, and of course, because it's the internet, we all started pointing fingers. Now, 
Is it fair to say that I think Verstappen has to hold the majority of the blame on this one? Hell yeah! I say this as the token uh, Matt Verstappen fan of everybody uh, in our friend group by comparison. Um, that accident was... The majority of it was on Matt's side of the case. Why is he, t- wh- it, it absolutely why is he moving twice? Um, that's, that's a good question. Uh, that's something that has been... You know, something that's been part of his uh, scouting report ever since his one year in junior, which has been pointed as a thing that, like, oh, goodness, this is clearly a product of Matt Verstappen being rushed up too soon. Like, we're four years removed from his Formula One call-up. It's not a matter now of whether or not he was rushed up. The problem is that he has uh, he has absolute flaws in his racecraft right now. Yeah. He's, I, had four, like, he's had three and a half years to iron them out. Yeah. Like I, I've discussed this in the in our Discord chat, where I don't think it's a lack of experience; no. it's a lack of progression. No, it's like he's had sixty plus Grand Prix now. He hasn't got an excuse for this shit no more. Quite frankly, yeah, it's a lack of progression. He's still he's still almost the same driver that he was when he debuted. Yeah, like, I'd argue he's taken a step back because uh, in his rookie year with Toro Rosso, you think like this kid could do no wrong, and after he wins in Spain in two thousand sixteen. And his first race with Red Bull, you think, oh, this kid can do no wrong. The titles are going to start rolling in. Um, you fought that, RJ. Not, not, not the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Bandit in the corner. <laughs> no, but no, I, I, yeah, it's he's taken he's taken steps back. Um, and Dre, you have some you have some point feelings on this. Uh, and not just, you know, Matt's mm. progression or regression or lack thereof, but also the entire Red Bull atmosphere at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I did a Dre Brief video about this. You've probably already seen it by the time this goes out. If, if you have, well done to you. Um, thanks for the likes, appreciate it. Um, but I, I can't take full credit for this because a lot of my thoughts came as a result of Elizabeth Worth, good friend of the show, um, who's been on this show before, and yeah, writes for Jalopnik now, does great great work ironically used to write for redbull.com herself which i thought was quite funny um but um i've i i kind of implied this a little bit two years ago because what like i don't know if you guys know this but the most ever watched youtube video we've done on motorsport 101 was my dre brief on the rise and fall of Daniel kvyat two years ago during the 2016 season in the aftermath of him being cut by red bull the first time around after his sochi accident um this was kind of a, f- a follow-up to that, and I kind of implied it back then too, but Red Bull is just... Like, it's toxic. I, I, I think their entire infrastructure at this point is toxic. Like, it's... it It's sort of a mentality where it is so cold, so ruthless, so cutthroat, that it almost, like, forces its drivers to, like drive with a ridiculous sense of bravado or aggression to try and keep their foot in the door because there's always the constant threat of being replaced. Daniil Kvyat, a guy that had multiple podiums in F1, who'd beaten Daniel Ricciardo in the 2015 season in his first year in a top-flight team, was cut after, what, four races in 2016? Like, cut for four races. And I think looking back at it now, it just seems like they weren't really doing this to uh, as a performance emotion. They just wanted a, an excuse to get Matt Verstappen's foot in the door yeah. of the top line team yeah. risk losing him to And Sochi else. driving into the back of, of, of Sebastian Vettel and ruining Daniel Ricciardo's race was like 
the perfect alibi to get rid of him, basically. It's like, yeah, we think his development's better off in the junior team, and it's like, you weren't saying that when he got on the podium one round ago. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, it's like, I, mm, I partially disagree. Where I feel like that would be the case maybe, like, four or five years ago. Now I'd solely place it on Max Nyas for staff. Oh, yeah. Where it's like... They have no, like, they're not, they have no one to replace anyone in their lineup. No, not anymore. Like, no one outside of Tararaso or Red Bull proper, like, is ready to be promoted into Formula One in the Red Bull. Yeah, no one, no one is legally allowed to do it unless they, unless they dig deep into the WEC mold again. But no one's Red Bull, no one's in that Red Bull affiliated affiliated camp at the moment. So yeah, they've exhausted like every resource they've had now to get to this point of Gasly and, and Hartley um, with Toro Rosso now, and obviously like this was the end game for Red Bull. Clearly, they've now got. The situation you kind of always wanted, right? Like, a really good, experienced driver now who could win a world title if the car is good in Daniel Ricciardo. And on the other side of the coin, you have the golden child prospect in Max Verstappen who has got all the elite driver speed and tendencies, a little bit of aggression. He's well-liked by fans. And he's still only 21 years old, you know? So, yeah. Like, no, he doesn't even turn 21 until this September, though. Bullshit. <laughs> and, and I don't put this down to being Red Bull being toxic. I put it down to the thing that they've always been since day one. We are not Ferrari. We don't have number ones or number twos here. Everyone's equal. And when everyone's equal... Everyone wants to be number one. And when that happens, you get what happened The funny thing is, though, is that I'm not sure Red Bull were thinking that when Mark Webber was there, because Webber always felt like the outsider in that camp. He really did. And it's like, off the record, a lot of people were saying that Vettel got first pick on all the upgrades and whatnot, and they were kind of treating Vettel like a number one, even if they weren't officially treating him like a number one. The problem with that is, though, is that Multi-21 was, was ultimately designed to make sure the number two driver won the race. So, But the thing is, Mark Webber was always going to be in that position. Because he wasn't a Red Bull driver. Yeah, he was. He was at the team already when they bought them. Yeah, he, Red Bull 2018 is is Daniel Ricciardo, Matt Verstappen. These are the two um, after Sebastian Vettel. These are the two pride and joys of the Red Bull Junior team. This is this is the these end game. There, guys. Yeah, and this on paper should be a lineup that could win multiple World Constructors Championships if the car is up to it and if the drivers, you know. Learn to do a little bit of give and take. I personally, as a fan, love spurts of, you know, Daniel Ricardo's and Matt Verstappen's aggression. I think it's entertaining to watch. Um, but they really needed to put a camper down on it, and they needed to find a time and a place where they just told their drivers to back off one another. If Ricardo has the much quicker car that day, let Ricardo through. Do not try and antagonize the situation. They did not do that. What um, what what I don't understand is why was Verstappen trying so hard to beat him? I, I I do not understand why. Like it was obvious from the start, Verstappen did not have the speed to beat Ricardo heads up when he was in front of him, and I just don't understand why nobody put a word in Verstappen's ear to say, you know what, stop fighting your teammates so fucking hard. I, I just don't understand. Like Red Bull's got to shoulder a little bit of this here because they actively had Verstappen ruined Ricardo's race to a degree, ultimately compromised the entire team as a result of this. But the thing is, 
Oh. The thing is, circling back, remember, they knew this was going to happen. They even talked to the drivers before the race not to do it, and he still did it anyway. You know what I? You know what I'm reminded of, and I don't know if I've told this uh, told this on the podcast. Um, this is something that me and King will probably be familiar with. Are you familiar with the story of uh, Todd Marinovich? A um, little, a little more. Okay, so Todd Marinovich, his father Pete was a, a football player, and his son Todd was basically engineered through like the strictest, strictest, most rigid lifestyle from childhood. Basically didn't have a childhood was just being engineered to be the perfect quarterback so Todd Marinovich gets to college and plays at USC and has some degree of success he gets drafted in the NFL and plays for the Raiders franchise um and he immediately flames out and after he flames out Todd Marinovich cannot cope with life as not just uh, after football but just with being an adult in general like there's a there's a well-known story about Todd Marinovich actually evacuating um, himself during an arena football league game uh, because he had turned to drugs, so many drugs, and his life basically fallen into shambles. Now, Matt Verstappen has obviously achieved a lot more success than just you know starting a handful of races. He's won multiple Grands Prix. He's turned um, the Belgian Netherlands region into a Formula One hotbed where it otherwise was not before, apart from the presence of Spa-Franker shops on the calendar. He is extremely marketable. He appeals to a demographic of Formula One fans that, you know, love to see a return to this, the ruthless, take-no-prisoners kind of style, the way that the likes of Ayrton Senna, Michael Schumacher race in their prime. Um, but at some point, Max Verstappen is at risk of potentially flaming out all of his potential is at risk of diminishing if he does not improve. Um, there are parallels, of course, between um, the way that Pete Marinovich raised Todd and the way that Jasper Stappen, uh, who is more than a bit of an unsavory character behind the scenes, Oof. raised Matt's from karting. Um, I'm worried. I was worried. Um, I was hoping that it would not come to this. And it hasn't fully come to a point where it's a full-blown crisis yet we're close like he's not had a good race weekend the entire season he's uh I, i'd say we're we're not that close I, we're we're only a quarter of the way through things could turn around i i don't think it's that off well okay it's not that off but red bull are still i i'd argue no closer to a championship now than they were at, at the start of the season I'm not saying they're going to burn out on Verstappen. Look, they've put way too much into Max for Red Bull to ever drop or even consider moving on from him. You're like, this is what you've purged Kvyat, you know, and Carlos signs to a degree for as well. To, this, you, you've sacrificed all of that for this. They're not going to... F- and John Eric and, and Jeff, yeah. And countless, yeah. Other, and countless other Red Bull prospects that, could, that have not yet reached Formula One. Yeah. That have been sacked before they even got in the door. They've been put in a treehouse of horror-sized blender, and this was the end product. Like, you've, you've gone all in on Verstappen, and, like, He's had a disastrous season so far. Like, like China was the was China was the one race he wasn't completely terrible in, and even that was a unnecessary penalty due to a result of a completely boneheaded pass attempt that Seb on the hairpin. He's had he's had major errors in every Grand Prix so far. Two of them were com- 
like, at least two of them were completely brainless. In fact, you can make the case that three of them were, like, ever since Australia. Like, just silly, silly, over-aggressive overtakes. He's like... Max Verstappen reminds me, and not in a fatal sense of Marco Simoncelli, just where if he if he just dialed it down two notches, he'd be fantastic. Like, like you've got the speed. The speed is there. You, you like he's like he's dominated Grand Prix in the past. You remember he won Mexico by twenty seconds. Like he is yeah. capable of incredible speed in the car, unbelievable speed, as good as anyone in the world on his day, right? But he needs to dial down the aggression on these overtakes. Like, just, if he dialed it down two notches, he'd be incredible. Like, no one is saying you can't pass people aggressively. Heck, Daniel Ricciardo has become the premier passer in Formula 1 for aggressive overtakes now. Like, like he has a signature dummy and he loves a good dive bomb. He's so good at that now. Where, like he's been doing this now for three or four years and it makes it look like it's clockwork half the time um but you should be taking some notes from daniel because daniel is the walking example i said this after china daniel's the walking example that Verstappen hasn't got an excuse anymore he's got 60 plus races under his belt now i don't care how old he is like you should know better than this by now especially given you've had the taste of victory on three separate occasions. Now, you've won three Grand Prix in your career now. All different sorts of Grand Prix as well. One under intense pressure, and two where he's had to pass a guy for a win, and again, in like Mexico, where he completely dominated and drove like his car was half a second that quicker than everybody else's. It, it's just frustrating, because it's like, I'm not I'm not a Verstappen fan. I think I'm, I think his personality is that of exactly every 20-year-old you've ever seen on Earth. Uh, and I've moved on from that sort of shit. But I will be the first person to tell you, he's an incredible talent. And uh, it's frustrating seeing him drive like a pillock, and how he, which he has done for the last month now. Like, he, he, he needs to be better than this, and, and quickly. It's just... Ugh. God damn it. Uh, anything more you, you want to throw in on that Red Bull arg- argument, yeah, discussion, whatever? Probably like the, the only closing note that, you know, uh, Horner basically ordered both the drivers to, you know, come to the factory on Monday and apologize to the entire team for what they did. That's not an apology. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You try telling you try telling your parents if you get in a fight in a sibling and they make you apologize to one each other in front of the rest of the family that that's not an apology because that's exactly what there is. Um, you and your brother have gotten into a fight. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was over some video games. Maybe it was over the last uh, the last Patrick Capri son, and they're making you apologize. You try and backtalk your parents and tell them that's not a real apology, man. <laughs> I get no. what you're saying, but also, you know, no. there's parallels to that. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, they're going to force him down to... They're gonna, like, going to Milton Keynes is punishment enough. Like, going to Milton Keynes <laughs> and then and then having to apologize to, to, to the Red Bull team is... Uh, that's not really an apology. That's more a punishment than anything else. Like, yeah, we go, they, they're going to stand on the podium with, like, their arms crossed... And they're just gonna, you know, just stand there like, we're really sorry, you guys, we won't do it again, we'll behave ourselves. And Daniel's probably just probably got, like, his fingers crossed behind his back or something. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Right, so, as a result of that accident, the safety car comes out, and 
we're thinking, okay, we might get seven, eight laps as, as a sprint finish. Everybody comes into the pits essentially now for for fresh ultra yeah. softs. Yeah. Um, Most but, importantly, Valtteri Bottas. Yeah. Valtteri yes. Bottas dives in. Seb Vettel dives in. Um, Hamilton dives in. Pretty much everybody comes in, and you're thinking, right? This is, there's going to be no more major dramas after this, right? 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 Until. Okay. Until Romain Grosjean spins out, trying to warm his tires on the back end of the circuit, loses control and puts it in the wall from sixth on the grid. I just, oh, Romain, what are you doing? <laughs> and for yeah. context, Romain Grosjean started from twentieth. He had worked his way up to sixth at that point. Yeah, and then the radio call heard around the world. Romain's engineer says, pretty much, did Ericsson hit you? (laughs) Yeah. Now, for context, there was a Sauber that was a good 20 car lengths behind Romain Grosjean at the time. It should be pointed out. That was Charles Leclerc. We'll talk about him in a bit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Hashtag blame Ericsson. Yeah, like we're not we're not just gonna blame Ericsson for everything. Like clearly, it's just if anything happens, it's Ericsson's fault. Um, dirty air void, dirty air ruining the sport and the on track action. Ericsson's fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Ricciardo over reliance on tire saving. Ericsson's fault. Over reliance on fuel saving. Ericsson's fault. The fact that Formula One TV Pro is not yet launched until this coming race at Barcelona. It's all Ericsson's <laughs> fault. So yeah, Grosjean bins it from sixth under the safety car. He can't believe it. He just spins out, takes an extra. Jazz four. beat the Thunder in the playoffs. Yay! Erickson's fault. Um, yeah. So as a result, they have to get the medical car out and obviously get the uh, tow truck out to a uh, haul Grosjean's dead car out of the way. Um, so by the time we got going again, it was I think it was a four lap, five lap sprint finish in the end. Yes. Um, they restarted with four laps to go. Um, Valtteri Bottas does not do the thing that Sebastian Vettel did at the first safety car restart, um, where Sebastian Vettel just basically kept everybody from behind him as long as he possibly could. (laughs) Yeah, he, like, he, he pretty much got as close to the restart line as possible, as slowly as possible, to make the run down the turn one as short as possible. He was, he he, he was a smart man for that. (laughs) Yeah. Bottas, though, Bottas just went for it. And, yeah, Botas uh, like, I'm just go. Right, so this gives Sebastian Vettel an opportunity. With four laps to go, he knows he's probably not going to have as many chances to get around Valtteri Botas. Um, so he tries a overtake into turn one on cold tires, locks him up. There goes first place. There goes second place. Eventually, there goes third. And he was pretty much, you know, a sitting duck on his tires. Flat-spotted tires now. Yeah. Yeah, hence how Sergio Perez came from behind down the back straight the next time round and passed Sebastian Vettel for third place. Yes, that's right, kids. Force India on the podium. Again. Like, But we also have to talk about something else from that restart. Oh, yeah? Uh, we have to talk about... Oh, we have to talk about Pierre Gasly and Kevin Magnussen. Circle hands for Gasly. Please retweet to sped awareness. Yes. Um, 
So on that restart, as I'm actually looking at the slow-mo replay, Pierre Gasly gets a toe on Kevin Magnussen's car. Um, Magnussen, uh, as they're coming around this right-hand kink, um, Gasly uh, is right alongside Kevin Magnussen, and Magnussen uh, veers a little bit over to the left. The two of them touch wheels. Uh, Gasly almost gets run into the wall as a result. This kicks up a little bit of debris. And as Valtteri Botas is sailing out into the lead, that debris comes into contact with Botas's right rear tire. And then it blows out. Oh dear. First of all, what the hell is Kevin Magnussen playing at? <sighs> he not only moves to the... He, he cuts him off twice. Twice. Yeah, first he runs him, almost runs him into the wall before the pit entry, and almost runs him into the pit wall. Yeah, Pierre Gasly called him the most dangerous driver to race with. Nobody would really know what he was talking about until they posted the onboard footages of the incident. You're just like, ooh, okay. I to put into perspective, it. Pierre Gasly raced for three years against Sergio Canamassus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, he claims that Magnussen is the most dangerous driver he's ever raced against. And after the footage, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to blame him. Um, Jesus Christ. Like, Kevin Magnussen is cancelled. Like, seriously, what is wrong with this man? Like, he already had a bad reputation from last season. Like, and he's had multiple incidents last year that didn't really get due diligence from stewards and whatnot for, for just bonehead driving. I remember he was weaving against Hulkenberg in Canada. Wasn't flagged for that one. We saw the famous Hungary incident where, where again, Madison pretty much runs Hulkenberg off the road and, you know, which led to the infamous suck my balls, honey, comment that uh, Kevin made in post-race press conference. Um... <laughs> We saw with Alonso, and I, I remember that's my first funny because like, he runs Alonso off the road at Turn One at Malaysia, and then Alonso just goes in the heat of the moment after being ran off by Magnus. He just goes, "Hulkenberg was right." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I was like, how did he remember that?" And I was like, "I was just like, yeah, Hulkenberg was right," and I'm like, "Wow, Alonso's got a good memory." Um, <laughs> but that, that's some last word stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like some sort of comic book scene where it's like, or something like a, something out of F Zero where like a ship blows up at the last minute. And it's like, oh, Goodberg was right. <laughs> uh, but but he's not running up at the front as much as Matt's, and he has not been made into a meme quite as much as Pastor Maldonado was in his prime. Indeed, and that's part of the problem. But Magnuson, dial it down. What the hell is wrong with you? You could have killed that man. Seriously. Jesus, um, Pierre Gasly almost died twice. Like, cons again, circle hands for Gasly. Please retweet yeah. to spread awareness. If you're not putting your hands in a circle and placing them down in your lap to get them, um, you are not really spreading the word <laughs> awareness for support for Pierre Gasly. Somebody give Pierre Gasly a hug. Please, just give him all the hugs. He doesn't deserve this shit. Um, Jesus, what a, what a scary weekend that young man has had. Um, Super Formula superstar Pierre Gasly did not did not sign up for this. No, he did not. Kevin Madison was given a 10-second time penalty for that incident, which was, I guess was nice, I guess. But... So, keeping track yes. of things, Pierre Gasly almost died multiple times this weekend. Yeah, as you do. 
As you do. Manatee gets 10 seconds. The, the, the debris from the contact. Valtteri runs over and he's out of the race. He, he limps home in 14th place in the end. Um, like, I'm in the Sebastian Vettel camp. We all know this. And I was like, hey, Cynical Dre has come back to roost. Like, Vettel's botched one. Yay! Um... I felt bad at work watching that. Oh, it's like crap. Like, well, that was a brilliant drive from Seb, but he's only going to come home with 12 points to show for it. It's a bummer. Um, I can't feel bad knowing that there's Valtteri Bottas fans out there. I just, I, I, <laughs> I just can't do it. Because if that was me, and if Sebastian had run over that debris and popped his tyre, I'd have just thrown my shirt against the wall and gone home and... Probably put myself in the fetal position and cried myself to sleep that night. Um, like, yeah, if that, if that, you know, that you know, outlandish dive bomb worked, and then the next time round hits the debris, and then he's out. Oh, oh my, my god. god, that would have been so bad. Please don't, please don't put that thought in our heads. Like, I, I, I honestly would not have been on the podcast this week. I was like, you know what? I need time to mentally process this. <laughs> like, I, I am not in a fit state to podcast at the moment. Okay, um, we're not, we're not doing this. Um, <laughs> um, oh, poor Val. And I, I know Chris Cook's listening to this, and like, I know Chris is the biggest Bottas fan I know. Chris, I'm really sorry, man. That is a awful, awful, awful way to lose a victory. And um, the picture said it all. You've probably seen it do the rounds now of the the picture of Valtteri slumped um, in the garage after the race against the wall and and just dejected, knowing that that was his and he had driven a perfect strategy race and was he? It was yanked out from underneath him with three to go, essentially. Um, an awful, awful way to lose a race. Um, he was interviewed after the race, and he, he was asked, um, like, how do you get over this? Um, and Valtteri's response was, uh, 10 pints of beer. Um, so, I like the Val is one of us. Like, he's going to get over this by getting bladdered. What a guy. Like, he's probably now Danny Brennan's favourite driver. <laughs> I know you're listening, Brennan. Um, <laughs> but, um, so who, did that, who does that mean was at the front to win the Grand Prix? Oh, great, it's Lewis Hamilton. Oh, oh yeah, there's Lewis Hamilton. There he is, up at the front, to finally win his first race in, sit, in the last sits Grand Prix dating back to last year. <sighs> I, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice here. I'm going to be nice, and I'm going to say, sometimes it pays to be in the right place at the right time. It really does. Oh, you're being a whole lot nicer than, like, most of, like, the mainstream motorsport media. And even yeah, Lewis will even admit that that win was uh, handed to him. But sometimes, but it, by his own admission, he'll also admit that it was better to be lucky than to be good. And Lewis Hamilton was not at his best stuff. He still won. He still got 25 points. And on a day where Lewis, Ham- where Sebastian Vettel could have retained his championship lead, or where Valtteri Bottas could have come away with the championship lead, there's Lewis Hamilton getting the 25 points and the win and first place in the World Drivers' Championship after four rounds. Jammy fucking bastard. Um, <laughs> sorry. I, I, I had to get one little outburst in, but Jesus Christ. Um, he has won for one since putting cornrows in his hair. Of course, it's, it's 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 the hair. Of course, um, that, that that that's what did it. Um, <laughs> um, like 
yeah, Lewis openly admitted he got like he was late coming to the podium because he was he actually said commiserations to Val too, which was a really nice touch. He, he commiserated uh, Val, commended him for a great drive, um, and said how and just said it was very unlucky of him to be a result on that one and. It, it, that was a great gesture until Lewis Hamilton also admitted that it's like I shouldn't be celebrating a win that I inherited like that one guy who left. Like, all I will say is, is that, like, Nico Rosberg, you need to come back. You cleared the number on this man. Like, as if the evidence of him winning that title and indirectly mentioning Rosberg was bad enough last year, he's mentioning Rosberg Again, after a race victory that he, you know, he, he wants to take the moral high ground. He's like, oh, I'm not really celebrating this win because, you know, I didn't really deserve it. And it's like, mate, a win's a win. Like, you're not obligated not to celebrate a lucky victory. Like, Lewis, come on, man. Stop being a wanker. Like, seriously. <laughs> like, what is wrong with this dude, King? I don't know. <laughs> it's like... How does that sound? Like, yeah, I win so much. I don't celebrate. I don't celebrate gifted wins. Bullshit. Like, he will be on the private plane back home with like all the bubbles of champagne. Like, like, do like, do not try and sit there, piss on my head, and call it rain, and try to tell me that Lewis Hamilton didn't celebrate that victory all that hard. Ball. Like he put it, he, he put on a front for the cameras and tried to take a moral high ground that didn't exist. That's what that's that's what that is. And like again, the fact he has to bring up Nico Rosberg again, why, why? Like you beat him three to one, Lewis. Like you do realize this. Let's like like. That's fine. Nico Rosberg can sit. Uh, has can. Can uh, can sewage himself in all the television money and appearances and putting every panelist on Sky Sports F1 on blast. Yes, please, more Shout of this. Shout out to Martin Brundle, who was just chilling at home in his jammies and his sandals. Good man. <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah, Lewis Hamilton takes the victory um, in the end. Kimi Raikkonen in, in second. Um, but on the third... And he actually got to keep it because it was a little bit dodgy for a second there. There was an investigation into potential illegal DRS usage. It was found to be proven in the clear. Sergio Perez has his eighth Formula One podium. And... Vamos, Checo Pendejo! He's the only man to have two Baku podiums now, which I think is crazy. (laughs) In terms of podium finishes, this, I believe, makes him Mexico's most successful Grand Prix driver he does indeed, yep. No Mexicans ever had eight. Um, so, yep, Perez now has that record outright. Um, like, I don't know what it is about Checo, but he just always has this knack of being in the right place at the right time. And he's, just when you forget that he exists, he reminds you, oh, yeah, Sergio Perez, he's still very good. He's still very young. Indeed, indeed. Like, he's still well, very young. I mean, he's 28 now. I mean... That's not terribly old. Christ, he's he's three years younger than Nico Hulkenberg, the perennial Nets breakout star of Formula One for the last seven <laughs> years running. I thought that ship had sailed, but uh, clearly not. Um, but yeah, Perez back on the podium. He couldn't believe it himself. He, he, like, for, you know, Perez did the damn thing. He's just so good at that. Just stealing wins out of nowhere, or stealing podiums out of nowhere. He's just so good at that. Another brilliant drive from Sergio Perez. And that might not even have been in the top three for driver of the day, quite frankly, because 
You look a little bit further down the, the stat sheet and, you know, Carlos Sainz, best result of the year for him in fifth. Um, great drive for him, and a drive he kind of needed because he was under a bit of pressure from Hulkenberg in the early going. He's, he's, Hulkenberg's had, kind of had did, done a number on him so far this season, but... Uh, Signs King, the... um, King, you will be very happy to know that this is Renault's first uh, best result since coming back to Formula One as a constructor. Are they your team now? Are they still your team? Yes, they're still my team. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I can't defend the actions of one Danish driver, so that that's over. <laughs> oh wow, he's, he's, he's you've disowned Hass over Magnussen related crimes. Yeah, he he was he was already on probation. He fucked that up. Good man. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I I can only approve of this. Yellow is a much nicer color anyway. Um, but yeah, Carlos signs in fifth. Great drive from him. Needed that one, quite frankly. Um, but you go one position further down. Da, da, wait, da. wait a minute. That's <laughs> is a that, is, is that who I think it is? It's a Sauber. It's it's, it's he's, he's from Monaco. It's Charles Leclerc. <laughs> Go, go on, RJ. Um, Spe speak, so, your, speak your Discord username. You know you want to. So, go on. So um, this is actually my opportunity to mention that, like, um, not to brag or anything. Okay, I'm going to brag. Um, who called Alfa Romeo Sauber, um, led by Charles Leclerc, led by new leadership with Frederick Vasseur at the helm and with, uh, like, a huge injection of Alfa Fiat Chrysler money uh, being injected right in their bloodstream? Um, who said they had a chance of scoring double-digit points at least by the end of the season? Um, you did. I didn't expect it to come in all <laughs> in just four races, though. That was a damn brilliant drive. Charles Leclerc had a had a decent enough chance to maybe sneak into Q3 uh, based mm. on just his Q1 times. Um, he ran in the top ten consistently all day long he was up as high as fifth until getting passed by carlos Sainz late on the final restart this again goes back to where um maybe the signature drive of his career um just days after his father had passed away charles leclerc swept the formula two weekend at this very same track so this is going back to the side of his finest performance uh, and he comes away with a sixth place finish which is Sauber's best result since felipe nazar's fifth place in australia 2015 Brilliant Suddenly, result. things are starting to come very, very good for Charles, and I can only think of how happy and how proud Jules Bianchi would have been if he'd been able to see this. A brilliant, a brilliant drive. Um, I, I can only echo what RJ has said. That then this was coming. I think Leclerc had a little bit of a problem on the start of the year. I think he was just trying too hard. I really do. I just think that he was kind of overdoing it a little bit and just not making the car come to him. He was brilliant all weekend, and this. This was the weekend that reminded everybody why Leclerc was so highly touted going into this season. A brilliant, brilliant sick. Like, as mentioned, Sauber's best result for over three years. Um, and again, other you know other other notable performances further down the field. Lance Stroll in eighth place as well. Williams first points of the year, which means they're on the board. Every team is now on the board. <laughs> We're four rounds in, and every team has scored. I believe, as King mentioned, that's the first time that's happened in F1 since 1994, where yeah. all every team in the field has scored points. Yeah, it's the first time since, uh, you know, 10 teams scored points 
this early in the season. Wow. Yeah, so 94 was the last time that happened. Wow. Yeah, Lance Stroll again. Again, Williams did look a lot better this weekend. They were in. They were running in that Q3 level top 10 sort of speed much more comfortably this weekend compared to some of the previous weekends you've seen this season so far. So, yeah, well-earned Lance Stroll in eighth place there for the, the sole surviving Williams. And Brendan Hartley as well in gets his first ever F1 point of a 10th place finish as well. So, smiles all round for some of the uh, midfielders there in F1 indeed. So, yeah. And both McLarens are the points. One of them limping home to the pits on two tires and somehow coming way home in seventh. Lance, I'll take the wheel. Like, McLaren having both cars in the points is no longer a surprise. Please stop celebrating this. Like, like they've only had one car not finishing the points so far this season. Like, like Mc McLaren is not where McLaren want it to be, but please stop acting like they're terrible. <laughs> oh, that's, just a, that's just the strength of their chassis talking. <laughs> it has never let them down. You know they're getting a big engine uh, aero upgrade for the next race in Barcelona, right? Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> they're coming for Red Bull. Now we can fight. Here we go. It's going to be a... F Marcus Ericsson, 11th. Pierre Gasly, 12th. Kevin Magnussen, 13th. Boo! Classified, 14th. Your non-classified, non-finishers, Romain Gromain, Mats Verstappen, Daniel Ricciardo, Nico Hulkenberg... Esteban Ocon, Sergei Sorokin. Indeed. Um, championship standings going through round four. Lewis Hamilton now leads the championship for the first time this year. He's got a four-point lead on Sebastian Vettel in second on 66 points. Raikkonen a further 18 back after his best result of the year so far. He's on 48. Valtteri Bottas, who's deserved so much more, down in fourth now with 40 points. And Daniel Ricciardo drops one place to fifth on 37. In the Constructors, despite all the mayhem, Ferrari are now actually on top of the Constructors' Championship again with 114 points to Mercedes 110, who have already now got a 2-1 to -one lead on Red Bull with 55. Oops. Um, and McLaren, despite the carnage, are still clinging on to that fourth place in the Constructors by a point over Renault 36 to 35 respectively and we got some spites for sits force india's jumped up to sits with 16 points scuderia toro rosa with 13 haas at 11 alpha alpha romeo sauber ferrari at 10 amazing <laughs> i did not expect that not in the slightest that is that's crazy to me so fellas what do we make of that baku race overall then Man, who knew putting a who knew putting a ninety degree corner at a two, at the end of a two point two kilometer straight would end up giving us chaos? Who knew that this event that was being uh, labeled as everything that was wrong about modern Formula One would end up being perennially one of the most exciting events of the calendar after a rough start? Of course, Ooh, I don't I don't know. It, it's still you know everything wrong about modern Formula One. It. I didn't say it wasn't that. I'm just saying it was a much entertaining show that uh, than what was previously advertised. It's a fantastic if shit only show. only because of the fact that it's an absolute shit show. As Dre said, it's an absolute fucking mess, and I love it. It, it is a shit show, but it, it, it just has this knack of producing chaotic races. The first one in 2016 was terrible, but the last two have been race of the year candidates. Last year probably was in F1 circles anyway, just for batshit craziness. And uh, hey, if Baku is giving us that, I'd rather have that over Monaco. 
just throwing that out there, you know, even if Baku is a political it, dumpster fire. It, it's the, it's the, uh, the Top Gear Clarkson and Hammond exchange. Like, this is brilliant. Um, and that's, of course, uh, representing the Ford Fiesta, representing, you know, um, respecting traditional venues mm-hmm. and Formula One hotbeds like Monaco, and Italy, mm-hmm. Belgium, Great Britain. But I like this dropping Monza and adding a third race at. <laughs> <laughs> this is brilliant, but I like this. Um, yep, that just about sums it up. Um, a a entertaining Baku weekend to say the least, and we haven't even gotten to the junior classes yet. Check that out later this week in episode one thirty seven. Um, I give it nine barrels of crude oil out of ten. Ooh. Mm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight. The middle, the middle portion was a, was pretty slow going, but I must admit yeah. it was quite tense seeing the differing strategies between Ferrari and Mercedes. This was not a like this was not a dull race by any stretch of the imagination. Even the down periods were tense. We got we got sprinklings of Red Bull races. You know what? RJ's right. It's a nine because like I'm f- thinking yeah. thinking about it now. Even the middle portions had entertaining action throughout, and there was a level of strategic um, intensity that came with when was Ferrari going to stop Sebastian? Like, was there going to be a safety car? Was Valtteri going to be able to make it work? Etc. You know, so overall, for me, I think 9 out of 10 is about right. Like, it's the second straight time I've given Baku a 9. For God's sake, this, this, <laughs> this track is ridiculous. Yeah. You get make that nine across the board. I'm giving it nine imprisoned political dissidents out of ten. <laughs> very good, very good. I will, I will give it nine entertaining Jamiroquai hat related shit shows out of ten. Here for all of this. I, although I now blame JK for the weekend because he was in the Ferrari garage and he jinxed everybody. It's his fault. It's, it's all Jay's fault. Free little munchkin with his stupid hat. Um, I'm surprised we didn't blame Christina Aguilera. <laughs> Oh God! Whew. Just don't, just don't try and do a live performance of Baku's state of mind. No, like I, I can't, I can't stay mad at Christina for very long. She gave us the dirty video, and for that reason alone, I can never be mad at her for long. Um, <laughs> should we get into the news on that note? Yes, yes, we have lots of Formula One related news. King, start celebrating. Um, we've got some good ones. Yeah, we, we, we got a good in. We got a good in for once. <laughs> you know it's a good one when King is excited about F1-related news. King, tell us more. Oh, <laughs> uh, so remember a couple weeks back, we talked about those overtaking changes that Liberty Media were hoping to implement for the 2019 season. You know, simplified, simplified rear wings. I mean, simplified front wings, larger rear wings, you know, bigger DRS. Well, guess what, guys? It's happening. What? It's happening. Following a presentation made to the F1 teams at the Bahrain Grand Prix regarding proposals aimed at promoting closer racing and more overtaking in the F1 World Championship, the strategy group, the F1 Commission, the World Motorsport canceled yesterday, approved a number of regulation changes for the 2019 season. The changes approved by eVote are as follows. A simplified front ring with a larger span and low outwash potential. A simplified front brake duct with no winglets. A wider and deeper rear wing. Ooh. So what does all that mean? That means less turbulent air kicked up on the cars behind them, which means closer racing, more overtaking, more side-by-side action. 
Yeah. So basically, that's the best case scenario under these new regulations. You get close to racing. Worst case scenario, nothing changes. Yeah, like, I, like people were actually. I saw people were against this on Twitter, and I was like, people, you do realize, like, the worst case scenario is we get the exact same brand of racing we already have. Like, yeah. M- I, I like less overtaking in Formula One and more less side-by-side racing. I also eat sushi with a fork. <laughs> Remind me to never go to dinner with you, RJ. <laughs> oh, dear. But, um, yeah, this is great news. This is like, like I'm surprised this actually got to go through in the end. It, by all accounts, it looked like... You know, this was probably going to get cut off at the past. I mean, it's not final yet. Ferrari could still veto this. And, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the voting was close because essentially in the F1 commission, uh, everyone gets a vote, including major broadcasters, Sky, all the, you know, big suppliers. Pirelli gets a vote. Major sponsors, so Heineken gets a vote. And pretty much... Everyone plus four teams had to vote yes. And we got that. We just squeaked through and got it. The teams that voted yes were Mercedes, Williams, Force India, and Sauber. Those are three teams that could definitely benefit from having um, less reliance on a topside arrow. And one that really needs all the benefit of their topside arrow advantage. But, you know... I think it's pretty cool that Mercedes actually wants to improve the product in spite of the fact that they could really stand to benefit from races being absolute shit shows. Yeah, props, props to Toto on that one. He didn't have to do that at all. He's, 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 a, good, he's a good sport, our Toto. Um, yeah, so, again, here's hoping next year some more overtaking, more side-by-side wheel-to-wheel action. It's a good step. I'm glad that Braun has, has, has spotted quite quickly that that was a big issue going forward and that they've gone out of their way to try and fix it. Um, and they pushed it through no matter what the teams thought. Well. And who, and who said that they couldn't, you know, exact change uh, in the Liberty Media era? Me. Um, this is a problem. Um, <laughs> my collar's a bit sweaty, but here, here we are. We're getting there. We're getting there. Good good, good job, um, Braun and, 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 and team. Good to know. Um, <laughs> guys. We have uh, we have other developments as well. We have F1 Fantasy has launched. Yay. Yeah, F1 Fantasy seems a bit interesting. I, I haven't joined the league or started playing it, but the rules, uh, the way it works, sounds extremely interesting. Yeah, it's like... You're a team principal, and you've got a budget for is it a car, three drivers, and and whatnot. It's a bit like the Badger GP yeah. Fantasy League by the looks of it. I know Badger GP's one is quite similar and quite popular as well, and has been for a little while. But um, but there are also like restrictions on driver changes. Ah, so you're only allowed to make one change between races. Also, just like in our fantasy league last year, you have to pick. Uh, captain who gets double points. So it's a lot like the Premier League format then, because I know the, the Premier League fantasy is extremely popular, and they, and they go by very similar rules in the sense of you, you get a double point scoring captain, you, you you get points deducted for transfers week to week, basically. In this case, you only allowed one driver swap. So yeah, um, I hear you. It looks it looks intriguing, but I've kind of retired from fantasy sports at this point. I just can't be asked. That's my that's my biggest problem. I I never. Ke- there is also daily fantasy sport. 
um, powered by official Daily Fantasy partners at Play On. Please game responsibly. Oh, Daily Fantasy F One. Oh, oh, oh they're a, they're a couple to they're a couple years late on the wagon. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, like I thought you were joking. That's actually a real thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. Yes. Yes, and it's right beside the fantasy section. There's traditional fantasy F1 and daily fantasy F1. <laughs> and right beside them is eSports. That also launched this off uh, just, just this week. Um, I love the F1 guys, but sod any qualifying event that's got AI involved in it. It turns a qualifying event into RNG. I'm not a fan of that. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> just saying. Um, but, you know, the qualifying what, race is What, what does Dre have against our future AI overlords? everything um <laughs> but, uh, yeah like I, I saw it launch last week the qualifying races were pretty fun um like shout out to our man justin at, at, formerly at fake ghost party such a good commentator justin um did a brilliant job on on, on that with the cody's team i know that they work really really hard on that and um they're doing a good job with it um i still will adamantly say that the game is still somewhat flawed to be an esport given the temperamental nature of online play and connectivity and whatnot and like i said before i think the qualifying event getting unlimited runs an rng style event with ai being involved left and right i think is problematic but overall i think it's pretty good i'm just throwing that out there um oh like i I seen the bit of points next to me New F1 live post-race show coming to Twitter. Yep. Yes. Um, Formula One will have a new F1 live show being hosted post-race on Twitter. The lead host will be Will Butston. He will be joined by accompanying F1 legends as co-host. The first name at the top of the list and the top class panel is 2016 Formula One world champion and proud dad, Nico Rosberg. Get it. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Brittany is back. I'm here for all of this. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be great. Will Buxton is a genuinely great host. I mean, his Paddock Pass show on the F1 YouTube channel is still superb. Um, it's a must-watch for 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 99% of F1 weekends, in my humble opinion. Um, so I, I would say go out of your way to check it out for sure um I'll, I'll definitely be watching that when that rolls around um for the spanish grand prix next weekend so cool to see buxton um getting such a premier role and no no two two weekends wait. oh yeah quite right still back to back my bad um uh, yeah i was feeling yeah you 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 made me like my heart skip to beat when i was like f1 tv's coming this weekend oh my god we gotta have a little bit of refractory yeah. period, folks. Yeah. Just, just, just one more week, you guys. One more week. You got this. Hang in there, fellas. Like, like it's not like we're not we Brits aren't getting it or anything. <laughs> now it's time to queue up Freddie Mercury, Montserrat Caballé. It's time for Barcelona in two weeks. The Spanish Grand Prix is here. We've had some great races in recent weeks. Um, how much of a fall down to earth do we expect this to be? We're, we're going to a new baby smooth circuit to Catalonia. Oh, it's so smooth. They're bringing all the upgrades. Mm-hmm. This is the first. This is the start of the traditional European leg. Um, this track is not good for <laughs> side-by-side F1 racing. No, it's not. <sighs> oh, boy. But 
And I'm not normally the optimistic one here of the three of us, let's be honest. Um, last year's Spanish Grand Prix was great. It was all right. Yeah. Like, like genuinely might be the best Spanish Grand Prix ever. Like, it's it was a really good Spanish Grand Prix. We had battles up the front. There was, there was just there was a strategic mix-up. We had decent passing. Like, Vettel had a belter of a pass on Valtteri, going two wheels on the grass at 200 miles an hour. Um, it was a fun time. It was a very good like for Spain. It was insane. It was actually a, it was it was a pretty good race that would hold up on most merits. Um, so you know maybe we'll get that again. Maybe. maybe? Yeah. You know. Mm, chances that Sebastian Vettel bolts away from the field, sets on this lead, and retakes the championship uh, points lead. Eight to one. <laughs> uh uh, you're not convincing me on this. Like, like after qualifying on Saturday, I was like, maybe it's time. And then the snapple is still in the fridge waiting for you, my friend. It is, and it can wait some. It can wait a bit longer. I was like, oof. The door was open for a second there, but then I remembered Ferrari luck was a thing, and I slammed it back shut again. <laughs> I was like, ah, just before the braking zone, with just a little bit of a move to the left. Yeah, yeah, just 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 a clunk. Um, <laughs> just a clunk. It's just a small one. Like, like the words of Madagascar. Like, just a little peck. It looks like you're kissing your sister. <laughs> Bang. Um, oh dear. But um, what do you reckon, King? Ooh, I, I don't think it's gonna be wholly processional, but it's gonna be close. We might get something exciting. I hope so. I want to be proven wrong. RJ. Um. No matter what happens, um, Barcelona is going to be the destination of race in Spain because, goddamn, look at how much stuff there is to do in Barcelona. There's nightlife, there's culture, there's art, there's good sa- um Well, there's more art and culture. Mm-hmm. Poli- Not so much good football. The, the old political protest, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, that's all right. Seems like a fun time. If you're that way inclined, you know. Um, whew. We sped through the news pretty quick on this one, actually. A little bit quicker than I would have expected. But hey, just before we go, a a, a mention, and because yeah, we're recording this today on May 1st, today marks 24 years um, of the since the passing of Ayrton Senna. And of course, let's not forget Roland Ratzenberger the day before as well, on April 30th. Um <laughs> Obviously, still a very sad, a sad time, and you know, many, many thoughts go out to the Senna family. Of course, as always, it's always a tough day for them. I'm sure. Um, if you haven't seen it, and I've, I mention it every year, and I will do it again here as well. Top Gear's tribute to Ayrton Senna is one of their finest segments, and I always recommend it. If you haven't seen it, give it the 15 minutes of your time. It's well worth a watch. Um, balanced, critical but still managed to re- remind everybody just what made Senna so great. And Martin Brundle was absolutely fantastic in that segment, by the way. Something I don't normally say about Brundle, um, but he's genuinely excellent there. Well worth a watch. But uh, for Roland and for Ayrton, um, let's not let me not forget any time soon. Basically, you can find us one more time. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Don't forget to check out the new Dre Brief on there. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles at Harrison101HD. Now with 
quite charming and very handsome new animated avatar. Shout out to Per for that one. Um, and our other handles, RJ O'Connell and Ryan Eric King. And again, if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks for early access, ten bucks for our Discord server. That's always a fun time indeed. We'll be back a little bit later in this week for the second part of this double taping, episode 137, talking all about NXT TakeOver, Baku edition. What it really means is Formula 2. Formula 2. It was a good time. And the... Also, a <laughs> uh, weird thing to note. Yeah? Uh, World Stars KFC doesn't exist anymore. Ah. Oh, no! Yeah. Oh, no! Damn it! What... 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 What happened? Uh, did... Uh... I don't understand. I, I, I know. I that was like the one reason to actually go to Baku. <laughs> oh, gosh. Someone get the Galeo family and just um, get them to just do their magic. I d- Bring back the world's largest KFC. I, dem- I demand three days of mourning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, just um, just sell it to Popeyes. Um, you'll, you'll have instant improvements. Trust me on this one. Sounds good to me. Um, but yeah, all about the Formula 2 action in Baku. The Paris E-Prix as well. And some other miscellaneous news to totally not fill out the time. <laughs> so check in for that later this week. But in the meantime, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Ryan King and RJ O'Connell. And until next time, sayonara. Later, y'all. <laughs>seriously sebastian could have braked five meters earlier not what's up and still could have easily made the corner <laughs> yeah he probably heard the bo- he probably heard the koc was a department store now too uh!